0: Welcome this morning. As we're finishing up our January sermon series, I hope that has blessed your heart. If you have your Bible, you'll get it handy. We're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy. We'll be in several places this morning, so we'll hope you will journey with us through the Scripture. I hope this message will help challenge you and help strengthen you to be all that God has intended for you to be. A family of grace, if we can help you become the great steward of your life, your time, your talent, your treasures that God has blessed you with, it would be our joy, our honor, and our privilege. I hope this message will bless your heart. For that, All right, here's your scriptures again. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Matthew chapter 6, Malachi chapter 3, and Luke chapter 6. You ready? All God's people said? All right. If you will listen fast, I will try to read fast. Here we go. Matthew, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. You must carefully follow every commandment I am giving you today so that you may live and increase. Now, we, there's a lot of people that's just living, but there's not many that are abounding. Underline that in your Bible. And that you may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. Verse 6, chapter 8. So keep the commandments of the Lord your God. <coughs> Excuse me, by water walking in his ways, and fearing him. For the Lord your God <clears throat> is bringing you into a good land. We'll just circle those two words, bringing you. Present tense. Future tense. It's something that is happening and is going to happen. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams of water, springs of water, deep water sources, flowing in both the valleys and in the hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and figs, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without storage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and whose heels you will mine the copper out of them. When you eat and are full, you will praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful, though, that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep His commandment. The ordinances and the statutes I am giving you today, when you eat and are full and build beautiful houses and you live in them, when your herds and your flocks grow large and you... And your silver and your gold multiply. And everything else you have increases. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord. Would you underline that phrase? Doesn't become proud. And forget the Lord. Forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt who brought you out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and the terrible wilderness where it's the poisonous snakes and the scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of a flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers had not known in order to humble your fathers and test them. Verse 17, you might say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God who gave you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant that he swore to you and his fathers. Now, turn with me if you would over to the book of Malachi. Same people group. You heard that story. Here's what it says in Malachi chapter 3 in verse 7. Since the days of your fathers, you began to turn aside from my statutes. You have not kept them. Would you please return to me? Would you please return to me? I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet, you are robbing me. You ask, how have we robbed you? By not making the payments of the tithe, the 10%. The contributions that you are suffering under a curse. Yet, you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Would you please bring your gift? into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. I beg you, God says, would you please test me? Please test me, it says right here, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings on you without measure. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 37 of oh, verse 38. Sorry, I'm going to get there. Matthew. Sorry, Matthew 6 and 19. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal it, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither a moth nor a rust can destroy it. And where thieves can break in and steal it for where your treasure is. That's where you'll find your heart. Verse 24. No one can be a slave of two masters. Since either he will hate the one and love the other. Or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. And then in the book of Luke, the last place. Chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it will be given unto you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Father, I pray today that from the Old Testament principles to the New Testament fulfillment that you will help sew these scriptures together that it may give direction and discernment for our life in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we've been looking at what it means to be a good manager, you know, a manager is someone who manages the assets of someone else. If he wasn't managing someone else's assets, he would be the owner of them, and we looked at that, and how if you were if you had a business and you were trying to um, look for someone to come in and manage it that you wouldn 't look for somebody who had who had swindled the money out of the previous person that he had managed the money for you wouldn 't look for somebody who had cheated his previous employer or who was lazy and wouldn 't show up for work or who was very lethargic and very apathetic, but you would look for somebody who conveyed the same passion the same um, vision, the same principle. You would look for somebody, even if your moral compass was a little shady. You would want somebody who had a direction that pointed due north in your own business. Amen. And so we began to look at that and how if if we were if we were hiring somebody to manage our time, would we hire ourselves? Based on what we know of the way we manage our time, would we hire ourselves? If we were looking for somebody to help be a, a, uh, an agent, to broker our talent, would we hire ourselves to be that agent? And then today, if you were looking for somebody to, to manage your treasure, would you, would you hire yourself to manage your own treasure? Today, as the passage of Scripture says, that if you're looking for your heart, find your treasure, and it's there waiting on you. Wherever your treasure is hanging out, that's where your heart will begin to reside. This is one of those messages that many pastors struggle with, and I being one of them, because man, people hate to talk about being a good steward, because we like to live life freely. We like to live life in the moment. Matter of fact, over the last several weeks, I feel like the more that I've grown to know the Lord, and the more the Lord has spoke to me in my own personal life about direction and clarity in the area of being a good steward, it seems like just about the time I get some direction, he seems to just wreck that direction and say, no, that's not the direction I want you to go. Listen clearly to the voice of the Lord. I want you to understand today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you don't have to go hunting for the direction of the Lord. It's in the way of God that you will find the will of God that is wrapped up in the word of God that his word may be a lamp unto your feet a light unto your path that you may hide his word in your heart that we may not sin against God where your treasure is That's where your heart will be And am I being a good manager of the treasure There were several things And man, I, I'm not going to lie I have just really struggled with this And Pastor Ralph has really been praying for me Over the last several weeks And as we've been leading up to this sermon I just really didn't know the direction That the Lord would have for me And man, I thought I had it kind of figured out And man, about 3.30 this morning It was it was on, on spot, man God rattled my chain And started shaking me up And man, I sprung to my feet Here's four things I believe that you must understand To be a good steward of the treasure that God has given you First of all, you must understand what the treasure is Matter of fact, when you say treasure When you say treasure, most people do this Because they automatically think, oh, he's talking about my money He's talking about my checkbook He's talking about my my investments, my portfolio But here's what I understand. The Lord spoke this to me in the middle of the night. He said, here's where your treasure is. Your treasure, in the end, is whatever brings you life. I mean, think about it. If someone's struggling to hold on, if they're struggling for another week of life, they're not saying, could you go down to Red River Bank and go into my safety deposit box and bring me my investments and my bonds and my deeds and my pearls and my rubies and let me just run them through my finger one more time. No, they're saying... What can I get that gives me life? Matter of fact, we see this in the Bible. One of the first places we see the treasure wasn't money, was there was a woman and they were in the middle of a drought and she was a widow and it was just her and her son there and, and Elisha, the man of Elijah, the man of God, went there and, 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 and he she took him in as God told him to and, and, and she was taking care of him and, and then she said, Elijah said, Ma'am, could could you make me a little cake for you could you make me a cake? First for me and then one for yourself that I may eat and be filled. And the woman said, oh my, all that we have is just a little bit of meal in a barrel and a little bit of oil in the bottle. And, and you know what? I, I, sorry, but I, that's for me and my boy. We, we're going to take what's left and we're going to take that meal and make a cake and we're going to divide it. And when we divide it, we're going to eat that and then we'll be ready to die. And Elijah says, ma'am, if you will just trust God and make one for me first, see if he won't bless you. Boy, and many people say it's just like a preacher wanting all the food first. But there was a principle that God was at work. And that little old widow scurried to the cupboard and she pulled out that barrel of meal. It was empty. It was just like... Just a little handful in the bottom. And and she made that man of God a cake. And the Bible says that every time she would go back, it was just a little bit more there. And a little bit more there. And a little bit more there. And when I want you to understand what her treasure was, at that moment was not her house. It was not her real estate. It was not her son. Because they were both about to die. Her treasure was the oil. Her treasure was the meal. In the middle of that same drought, after God provided miraculously for the, for the uh, widow and continued to provide for her through the drought, the treasure was the water. And on Mount Carmel, when Elijah made it there with the prophets of Baal, and he said, let's have a standoff to see whose God will answer by fire. The treasure was the water. But the Baal worshippers wanted to lose so bad that they poured the substance of life, the water on the altar, so that they might have a winning edge. But I want you to understand something today, my brothers and sisters in Christ. The things of this world cannot give you a winning hedge. The things of the world cannot build you up. The things of the world cannot prosper you. But I want you to know the things of heaven can. The things of heaven you can build upon. The things of heaven will give you strength for the day and the journey ahead. There's a New Testament story a little bit like that. They were out there in the middle of nowhere. Doing ministry. Matter of fact, it was the biggest crusade ever. I mean, there was five thousand head of the homes there, five thousand men, not counting wives and children. So down in that valley, there was probably about fifteen to twenty thousand people gathered there, and Jesus was ministering to them. And then all of a sudden, as he was ministering to them, it gets late, and the disciples say, "We need to send them on their way so that we can feed them." So that they can get something to eat. And Jesus says I want you to feed them. And he says but Lord there's so many. If we had enough money to buy the food. Don't you know we're in the middle of nowhere. Where would we get the food even if we had the money. And he said I want you to go around the camp. And bring back to me what you find. And they came back and there Philip found. Just a few little old bony fish. And a couple of little knotty biscuits. And he said, Lord, here's this little kid's meal. But what are they with so many? You see, that morning, some mom loved her little boy. And she fixed him a little sack lunch to go with the journey ahead. And Jesus said, take them and put them in groups of 50. Now you think we have a hard time here on Wednesday night gathering and scurrying up 160. Multiply that a little bit out, a little bit out to about 15,000. I mean, you kind of get the picture of herding cats. They didn't have a bullhorn. They didn't have bracelets and bands and things to color coordinate them into groups. No, they just had a promise and a word from God, and they put them in groups of 50. And then Jesus took that little old bony fish, and he broke it in half and gave it to the disciples, and they began to go around the room. And as they began to go around the, the, the place there, it kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. God's not interested in what you don't have. He's interested in what you do have. God's not waiting for you to get to where you're going to be a good manager of your treasure. He's waiting for you to manage the treasure that you have right now. Is it cash? Good. Be a good manager of it. Is it a substance of life? Like a couple of little bony fish and naughty biscuits. Be a good manager of it. Whatever it is, be a good manager of it and see if the Lord won't bless you. Here's what Jesus tells the children of Israel. He says, I want you to remember something. Now remember, a book, a book of Deuteronomy literally means a second time. And Moses was dealing with a generation that had grew up in the wilderness. A generation that was born in the wilderness. A generation that died in the wilderness. And, and they had all these different functions of people and he gathers them together and he says let me recap for you why we're out here he says because I want you to know We were living under the bondage of a dictator Under the tyranny of a brutal man Who was killing our baby boys And was afflicting us every day And God brought us out by His great hand And here's what God's telling you That when we're on this journey, And we're on this journey to this promised land When we get to where we're going There will be bread that you will never run out There will be water on the mountaintop There will be water in the valley." There will be there will be a spring there will be a fountain there will be brooks there will be water in abundance there will be bread in abundance there will be fig trees there will be olive trees there will be honey there will be vines and vineyards everywhere there will even be some pomegranates And when you get to where you're going, I want you to understand that I won't turn off the fountain if you always remember that you once was lost, that you once was in bondage, and I have brought you out. Remember when you get to where you're going, and you're living in the moment of prosperity, understand that prosperity is not what you worked up, but what I gave you. For you do not have the power to gain wealth, but I'm the one who gives the power to gain wealth. If we're going to be a good manager of our treasure there's four things you must do you must number one, gain something. If you want to be blessed if you want to bless somebody you've got to have something to give. You've got to be a good servant and we've uh, we got to gain something. We see in Deuteronomy that they were gaining something. Not only must you gain something but you must take it to the next level. If you're going to be a good steward after you gain something you must guard it. The Bible says we read in Matthew 6 not to lay up treasures here on earth that can be stolen away from us, that can be plundered, that the rust could begin to decay, that moths could begin to destroy. We must guard it. We must protect it. The safest place for our treasure to be is in the portal of glory. Laying up treasures in heaven that we must guard it. We must protect it. To be a good steward of it, you must not not live loosely. Matter of fact, you guard all your possessions. There are so many things to guard your possessions today. So many things that people guard their possessions with. But not only must we guard our possessions that we have gained, but you must do something else. You must guide those possessions. Because if you're not careful, the treasure that God has blessed you with today will be the treasure that ruins you tomorrow. Matter of fact, we see the story in the book of Deuteronomy. They finally get to where they're going. The land is flowing with milk and honey. They overtake the giants. They overtake all those things in that land. And they're living in the land flowing with milk and honey. They're living in the land of prosperity. living in the land of abundance. But then all of a sudden, in the book of Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, God comes to him and says, Wait a minute. You guys have been cheating me. You've been cheating me. I blessed you, I blessed you, I blessed you, but yet you cheated me. You see, every one of us has gained a treasure. First of all, you've gained an eternal treasure if you know Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Today, not only must we understand that we gained an eternal treasure, but we have temporary treasures that can become eternal treasures. If we guide them correctly Treasures either rule over you Or you rule over your treasures It's no wonder that the majority of Americans In our country are in the same shape that our country is That we are enslaved to the lender And we are enslaved in bondage To other countries as a nation That other countries now have influence over us. And as a matter of fact, the things that God has blessed us with now has almost become our curse. Because we didn't understand how to be a good steward. And we think, man, it's just, God's so selfish. You know, I worked hard. I'm the one that put myself through school. I'm the one that studied hard. I'm the one that got the degree. I'm the one that gets up at five every morning. I'm the one that gets the kids off to school. I'm the one that puts in 12 hours a day. I'm the one that works six, seven days a week. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. I have a right to do what I want to with my treasures. Yes, you are the one that gets up early every day. Yes, you are the one that studied hard. You are the one that worked hard. I am that person as well. But you know what, I can only do that. I only have the power to do that if God keeps giving it. The only way you gain something is to be given something. And I want you to know that you've been given everything you have. I've been given everything I have. If you don't believe me, why do you think they sell credit life when you buy your new car? Why do you think the mighty duck called Aflac is so wealthy? The richest duck in America. Because he sells an insurance policy that covers you when you become disabled. And you're not able to work. When you're not able to get up at 5 in the morning. When you're not able to go out. When you're not able to provide for yourself. We have disability policies to take care of us when we can't do it. Wait a minute. If you had your way, you would always do it. But you see, you got to understand that even the ability to get up and earn your paycheck is a very gift from God. And then do you honor Him with it? Do we honor God with it? You know, He doesn't require a lot. It reminds me of the man who loved his wife so much that he decided to, he had to go out of the country for a season. And on going out of the country. He went to his three closest comrades. And he says would you look after my wife. While I'm gone. And to the first man he handed. He said I'm going to send you $10,000 every month. For you. To take care of my money and my assets. He said the only thing I ask is that. You take 1,000 of the 10,000 that I send you, bring it to my wife and make sure she's taken care of. The other nine you can take and do whatever you want to with it. Live however you want to in your life. He went to the second one, told him the same thing. The third one told him the same thing. When he was back and forth corresponding with his wife, he was asking her how it was going. And, and he said, oh, honey, you know, the, the, one of our friends, he, he's, he's so faithful. Every, every month he brings me $1,000 and he helps me get through the month and thank you so much for providing for me and, and that I don't have to worry about all that other money and taking care of me. And she said, oh, but honey, you know our second friend, he, he, you won't believe, every month he brings me $2,000. And he said, well, what about the third one? he said, well, you know, the, the first month he brought me $900. And then the second month he brought me $600. And last month he brought me $300. But I hadn't got anything this month. But I gave you $9,000 to do whatever you wanted to with. The only thing I asked was that you just take 1000 of the nine and go take care of my bride. God says, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. I'm going to give you the power to prosper. But the only thing I ask is that you just take 10% of what I give you. And take care of my bride. You're there at home and you're saying, Pastor, what do I do? The first thing that you have to do is find a place to plug in. Plug into the bride of Christ. Make a difference. Find a family to belong. A family of grace, we welcome you no matter what culture or economic group or what race you may be. But most of all, you find a place that you can identify with, find a place that you can call home and invest your time, invest your talent, and invest your treasure, and you will not be disappointed.
1: Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. For child care, visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318 484 2762. Camping grind coffee shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry.
0: FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org.